Oh, <laughs> Kirby <laughs> dropping it hot. That's awesome. Absolutely Quaker Oats. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Promo Foot Podcast, number 37, actually. I say ho-hum and jest because I really do love that theme song, but I get tired of going, oh, every week. So not doing that today. I am one of your hosts, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the one and only captain of Coshocton, Ohio, Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you today? Doing well, my friend. And I, t- I love the title. Thank you. I-, I will take that. Love love my hometown. Uh, doing well. The-, the weather's starting to break. I'm feeling, you know, I-, I had a little bit of cough and stuff going on. I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, things are things are rocking and rolling. Hoping things continue to pick up. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, it's spring break here. My mm. kids are actually in Florida attending their own super spreader event, which I appreciate. <laughs> And uh, so it's just been Sandy and I at home and it's amazing how clean the house is, how quiet the house is and how stable the house is. Um, (laughs) Joking aside, get ready. Joking aside, we miss them ready for them to come back, but they're having a great time. We uh, figured since so much of their senior year was robbed with COVID, um, we might as well let them go on a, a, a trip with some of their friends, a couple of parents, chaperones, and they're having a great time. Cool. But I, I think one of the reasons they're having a great time, you mm-hmm. want to know why? I, I, I would love time? to know why. Yeah. Before I let them go, you know, a lot of parents put on their kids' phone, uh, an app called life 360, mm-hmm. which allows them to track their kids. I don't believe in that. Now what we had our children install though was promo pulse. Well, of course we wanted them <laughs> on spring break to understand what's going on in the promotional products industry and what better way to do that than what Kirby? Oh, have your promo pulse app on your phone all the time. Exactly. Because I don't know where my kids are getting their industry ideas, inspiration, (laughs) information. I don't know where anybody's doing that, but if they're not doing it at promo pulse, they're doing it wrong. It is the one-stop shop for all things in the promotional products industry. Kirby, we talk about that often. It's convenient for you to use, has that wonderful personalized experience. You can sign up for the daily pulse to get ideas for your clients every single morning. It's got that awesome Alexa enabled app. You can ask for podcasts. It's got uh, con. Uh, contact suppliers with one click, the weekly wrap-up email. I mean, it really is everything. And then last week we talked about their new feature, which is fabulous. Kirby, did you know that distributor companies have their can have their own private groups within the Promo Pulse app and get an embeddable web feed content of their preferred suppliers? I know you know now, but you I didn't did. a week ago. I didn't. You're right. That's good. It's you know, it's you know, one of the things that you mentioned and you kind of went through it because there's so many features to yeah. Promo Pulse is that one-click thing to get in touch with suppliers. That is right. really, it's one of those, I think that's underrated because I think when you're on the road, you need to get a hold of that one supplier. You need their number, you need their contact. Having that in the Promo Pulse app is just one of those sort of undervalued pieces that I really love. Yeah. And one of the things about the Promo Pulse app, it's almost like your phone. You don't, you know, every once in a while you run into an article about all the things you can do with your phone and go, I didn't know I could do that. That's yeah, cool. right, right. The Promo Pulse app is like that. There's all these little hidden Easter eggs that you can do some really cool things with. So spend some time with that Promo Pulse app. You know, trailblazing companies like Facilis Group, American Solutions for Business, AIM, Halo, Sagney, 
SAC, MIPA, PAM, CAMP, UMAP, a lot of the regionals, they're using those free tools provided by Promopulse. You want to learn more about those groups, and gosh darn it, why wouldn't you? Head over to promopulse.io, Promopulse Groups. I'm sorry, let's do that again. Promopulse.io slash promo pulse groups gotta get that slash or else it's just gonna be all jumbly wumbly we don't yeah. want that <laughs> no guns awesome. and roses without slash absolutely no go- well okay kirby i'm so <laughs> confused um why don't you unconfuse us by leading us off with the promo upfront topic du jour yeah so you know we've talked about this on this podcast before there are some weeks where it's like there's just a plethora of topics and and there's so many things i want to bring up uh in the interest of transparency, this was not one of those weeks. <laughs> and so, not today, Bob. Yeah, I, I, I really struggled. And, you know, there's there's acquisitions, which are interesting mm-hmm. to some folks, but there's, those are we'd be doing those all the time. So I actually have the topic of getting back to normal. And okay. uh, the pens were the top ESP search in February. So okay. now, in the interest of transparency, when I see that headline, I sort of yawn. Um, it was it was news when it became the idea that it wasn't masks right. and it wasn't PPE. That's actually right. been the case for a couple months now. Um, but my take on this is that not only do we have permission to get back to selling in a normal way, that of mm-hmm. course PPE is still a part of that, but we need to uh, get out and talk about sort of standard branded merchandise items. But actually, I think the permission piece is gone. I think it's much more, it's imperative. We, I think to a degree, are on the cusp of, as an industry, we need to kind of get back to saying, okay, this is who we are. We, we filled this need over here for a while, and now it's time for us to be more proactive and intentional about marketing, helping people market their business and tell their stories. And so that was sort of my takeaway from that. And I'm, I'm reaching a little bit, but I wanted sort of your take on the idea that ESP, number one search, pens. No, reach away. And you said one of the words I was thinking of as I was listening to you. It, it, we have a long and rich history of being reactive as an industry. Yes, yes. Um, which is super unfortunate because we don't need to be. You know, Paul Bellantone used to say that we act like we're the you know redheaded stepchild of marketing and we're really not and so this is a great opportunity to help your clients and instead of being reactive start driving their business start being intentional you said the word intentional start being proactive about driving their business as opposed to just trying to plug uh, holes in the dam start looking ahead the light is at the end of the tunnel i think um, with with the pandemic, people are getting vaccinated, which is wonderful. I think you, you've had your first vaccine. Nope, not yet. No, I can't wait. All right, can't wait. I, I, the day this drops, I will not be you know on social media messing with it because I'm going to be getting my first Pfizer microchip implanted into my arm. Nice, and and I'm excited about that. I, you know, I do think it's the right thing to do, but that's beside the point. I think it's time for us to be intentional and say, you know, look, if we are true marketers. We're not identifying trends, we're driving them. Mm. And so search engine statistics, like what ASI does with ESP, gives us, and especially you as a distributor, gives us those tools so we can start driving those trends with our clients who may not realize it yet. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the news wasn't, oh, I should start talking about pens. Mm -hmm. The news Mm -hmm. is, okay, I need to get back in front of this as opposed to, like, as you said, quit being reactive, start getting in front of people with. Yeah I, yeah, I think the news is 
start looking at your clients say, okay, what is it? You know, the world's going to look very different in three or four months, probably closer to what it looked like two years ago. Yeah. How are you prepared for that? Yeah. It's the exactly same, right. it's the same responsibility we have when things started closing up. How are you protecting your employees? How are you making sure they're comfortable working from home? You're doing, you're providing the same service. It's just different circumstances. And that's what makes this industry so awesome. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, Kirby, let's talk about debranding. Are you familiar with what debranding is? Please enlighten me. So, you know, I go down these rabbit holes where I, like, <laughs> I, 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 I love brands, I love logos, and I really enjoy learning about, you know, what shapes them and why they change. We talked about the Burger King logo a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I actually went down a couple articles and there's, an, uh, and, and there's a big trend right now called debranding. And I'm going to explain it to you and you'll understand exactly what it is in about two seconds. It's a marketing strategy to remove the manufacturer's name from a product to appear less corporate. So think, uh, so you'd have no logo, strategic font and color, no tagline. So think of the Nike swoosh. That, that, that is debranding. There's, there's no word. There's no Nike. Think of the Starbucks mermaid. They evolved from having Starbucks coffee and now it's just the mermaid. Or my favorite one, which is Coca-Cola, where every summer they take the words Coca-Cola off the can and they have a, a, a uh, ad campaign, you know, have a Coke with a friend and they have people's names on them, which yeah, is pretty cool. Those are great examples of debranding. And so I want to ask you, you know, when do you think it's a good time for any brand in the industry, out of the industry to maybe look at simplifying their brand to a point where it, it's, it's, it's almost a subtle debrand? And I can go if you want, because obviously I have the advantage here. I kind of did some research on this. So well, I'll, I'll be curious to hear. To <clears throat> no, I don't mind. It, so it, it, to me, it's two, two different kind of things. And so, mm -hmm. that, so for me, the ultimate for us, and as you look like literally right yeah. here, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it was the ultimate for us when people started to sort of recognize our circle H. Um, yeah. So I think if I'm understanding correctly, taking Hossman marketing off of it and just having the circle H on our chest that's that's a step in that direction. Is that accurate? No, ab absolutely. I have the same thing. I'm wearing this right here. It's pretty subtle to to deboss on my shirt exactly. or here on the on the bar mat. Same right. type of thing. And one of the things that uh, it, it, as I was going through this, I'm like, what a really interesting concept when people can recognize your brand without all manner of words and in your face advertising, you've really done something. I think in your case, I think the Circle H I identify a lot more than the the icon over. That we have a brand debate with the upside down V. We're, I don't think we're there yet. I, I was going to say, we've time. been around a little bit. But the other piece I, I, I've seen, and I, this is the one that translates to our industry, and I'll be curious if, if you agree that this is in the same mm -hmm. mode, is the mm -hmm. folks who are essentially taking messages, and we've done this too, where it's like you take a message that you can get behind as a brand. Like for yeah. us, it was the t shirt where we said, give first you know, work hard, be right. kind, repeat. Yep. And that was the message. That was the whole t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Then back here, we put our logo in smaller letters. Yeah. Is that, would you call that the same kind of concept? I think so. I think it's subtle in different ways. I mean, like we use for the promo up front podcast, we don't use the whole phrase promo up front podcast with Kirby and Bill. We have a logo for that. I don't think we've ever used it. We just use the little up with the arrow in it. And so yeah. things like that, you know, on a lot of the apparel or drinkware or any sort of products we have at Brandivate, we use just what we call the Brandivate icon. Um, and, you know, looking at the, 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 the branding, one of the things that uh, 
a lot of articles were really consistent about, which is very interesting. If you want to consider doing it, you really should hit about three buckets. Number one, the brand should be mature. I think your brand is a lot more mature than mine. What they defined, or you know, ours, I should say, uh, with Brandivate, one of the things they define as mature is it's capable of delivering meaning and value. You have a longer history of doing yeah, that. Just, I yeah. think obviously it's time. Right. And then second, it should be progressive and visionary, but rooted in the customer's mind. I think we're close on our side. We're closer to that. I think you achieve that. The second is the brand should be a known innovator. You are a known innovator. And I love that about you. And then the last one, the target audience. And I think this is where, where we both hit. And I think a lot of companies in our industry hit if they wanted to look at debranding. Target audience should be able to identify your brand easily. Yeah. So when I see that circle age, I know what I'm dealing with. Right. So hopefully we get to the point when people see that uh, white V in the blue cir- or upside down V in the blue circle, they know it's brand bait. Mm-hmm. I think it just takes time though. I think it takes time. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Rocking yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does. So but the other, the other thing that popped into my head though, was yep. um, the, uh, the Doritos thing they did like a year uh-huh. or two ago where they took their yep. logo completely off the bag. Yep. I think like, I remember thinking that was dumb. Mm-hmm. And even in the context of this, I, I still, I think that was too far. I think that was, that was like a, a gimmick. And I don't yeah. think that like, to me, that was, I, I, to this day, I'm like, that was stupid. So as David, yeah, as David St. Hubbins from Spinal Tap once so eloquently said, there's a fine line between stupid and clever. And <laughs> that was it. I mean, I agree when it becomes a gimmick, it's not effective. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get the attention, but it's almost silly, right? Yeah. It's almost to a point where it's silly. I just thought it was an interesting yeah, discussion. You see more and more brands go into this very simplistic look, because if you look at brands over the last 20 years, they used to be so much more, a lot more gradients, a lot more three-dimensional, even the Google logo or yeah. Infinity or Nissan. And they're going to much more flat, simple, unbranded logos. Very interesting stuff. It, it really is. So, so my question would be, and I'd be curious to hear what the audience has to say in the comments is, is, that a, is this just a trend that, you know, certainly design has sort of moved mm-hmm. to a more simplistic thing? Or is this a long-term play. I, I think the debranding thing is long-term. I wonder if, if the, just the, the simplistic design is cyclical. I don't know. Yeah. I'll be curious. I, I, yeah. I'll be curious to hear too, because I do think it's, it's here to stay. I mean, you, what is the McDonald's logo these days? It's just the M it's just yeah. the golden arches. Yeah. There's nothing else. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But before we move on Kirby to your topic, I'd like to talk about something that's very near and dear to hopefully all of our audience's heart, and that's the world of promotional products. I have the honor of the promo product of the week, and this is a really, really cool one. Okay. It is a guitar pick from Zuji. Have you seen these things? I have. Those are super cool. So it's it's a half dome guitar pick. The The part number is PTP1. And what it's really cool about it, it's, it's super durable. It has it's It's clear. And it has uh, your logo on it. And, and I'm telling you, it actually holds up under use. I'm actually going oh, to do this. Oh, I can't I'm wait. I'm actually getting the guitar out. I'm <clears> actually <throat> going to do this. But it really holds up under under stress. You know, you, you know there, there's your chord. There you go. There's the can't chord we, I know. Uh, not really. That's the chord um, But no, seriously, it... Uh, <laughs> It really, it really does hold up under use, and I've been playing with it a little bit. Uh, I know Jason Noakes has some, so they're yeah. really, really cool. So PTP1, the half-dome guitar pick from our good pals over at Zuji. 
love it. That's a All right. that's a good one. And a little like it was like dinner in a show. That's that's pretty awesome. That's yeah, pretty the awesome. worst show anybody's ever seen. That's for <laughs> sure. All right, Kirby, please save us with a topic. Okay. Um, okay. I, I saw this headline. Just curious to know your take on it. Is the yep. is the eight hour workday dead? So the, you know, sort of the article said that the eight hour workday is somewhat of an arbitrary number with a relatively short history. A recent mm -hmm. argument in Fast Company said it really doesn't have to be that way. And some organizations, five hours is enough to get the work done and stay productive. So I know we've sort of lived through some mm -hmm. big changes and I think yeah. some of them are really interesting and I think some will, will continue. Mm -hmm. uh, is the eight hour workday dead? What say Bill? Uh, I don't think it's been alive for years. I think it's it's one extreme or the other. Mm. Uh, I think sometimes it's the twelve hour workday um, that sometimes is very much alive, depending on on the project or what you're doing. And sometimes the three hour workday is very much alive. Mm. So to me, having an arbitrary amount, having people clock in and clock out, I do think the pandemic and having so many people working from home has really. Um, escalated in, 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 you know, sped up the death of the eight hour workday. When, when we had an office at promo quarter, I, I really didn't care really when people worked unless there were certain things. So work when, when work, when you're most productive. Mm. Um, and I never had an issue with that. As long as deadlines are met, things are done the right way. Things, the quality is good. Who am I to say you should work between eight and five? Just because I happen to be productive in the morning doesn't mean you're productive in the morning. So I, I think it's really hastened the the death of the eight-hour workday, to be honest with you. And so, you know, there are days where I'm in here 14 hours. There's also days I'm here four hours because I don't, you know, there's the work is done. Yeah. So I do think it's I do think it's hastened it. And I think that's a good thing. I think it helps. Even though I don't believe in a work-life balance, I think if you love your work, then it's part of your life. And so it's not this, I have to get away from one or the other. Um, but I do think it does help with just that mindset of, I don't have to sit here for a certain period of time just because someone told me I have to. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to push back a little. Um, I, it feels like about every other week, there is a new... A study that tells that, that someone has written that says, mm -hmm. I don't have to work very hard. And that the people are kind of pushing the eight hour workday or the five day work mm -hmm. week or the, to me, it's just like, okay, it's a new way for uh, half our work population to say, I don't feel like working. And so look, okay. there's a, there's a new study that says that I, for the most part, I think it's, I, I understand what you're saying with, with mm -hmm. the idea of flexibility. And I think part of it's also sort of the entrepreneurial mindset. Like yeah. you're right in the sense that eight hour workday is not my normal 10 hour, 12 right. hours, a little bit, 10 hours, probably, probably closer to normal. But I think that one of the reasons you have that flexibility is because there are times where you double down. I think Correct. That there are times and that there are certain functions where there are hours in the day where customers expect you to be responsive. And I think that's where some of that eight hour workday comes from is that you need you need someone to answer the phones. You need someone to get back to people. And I think a complete level of, of flexibility, it's hard to manage that. And it's hard well, to manage those expectations. Yeah, fair enough. I, I didn't mean to give the impression I was painting with such broad strokes. So yeah. well, it's I hard do agree. because we're saying, we are saying that. Yeah, you know? There needs to be coverage. Of course, you know, in, in customer service in some areas, there do need to be some positions where a phone is manned or a chat box is manned, so on and so forth. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is 
when the, you know, you can't force inspiration. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there is, there needs to be some flexibility there. I mean, look, Mm -hmm. on average, I probably am sitting at this desk about the same amount you are. Right. And sometimes I do, sometimes I'm here 12 or 14 hours because tomorrow's whatever Friday, let's see Friday. Really after about 1030, I don't want to work. Yeah. I really need a mental break. And so you double down. And so I guess what I'm talking more about is it's not so much eight hours is or isn't enough. It's about flexibility and making Mm -hmm. sure things are done. Things are done with quality. Customers are being responded to. So if that, if that in the scope of your job description takes eight hours a day, great. If it takes 12 hours a day, great. Takes four hours a day, great. As long as it's done and done the right way, I don't have a problem with it. Love it. Cool. I just thought it was a fun, that was just really, and All to right. be honest with you, yeah. I, I, I yeah. really philosophically agree with you. I just sort of want, I do no, really I, do believe there's a new, there's a new uh, study out every day saying, you know, dude, wow. I don't think we need to work very much. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't, I agree. And I don't think it's about not working very much to me. It's about working efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know that there are some times where I will get so much done I don't have things yeah, to do. Now, yeah, that's a as great an day. entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether it's, is there a new piece of content I want to do? Or is there a piece of content I need to take care of? Is there some advertising I want to do? And how am I, you know, there's always something to do. Right. But don't get me wrong. I'm just talking about client work here. Yeah. No, it's, it, it was good. It's a fun little All discussion. Right. I saw a post on Facebook, Kirby, right. that I'd like to talk to you about. I'm so it was, about, it was about leadership. It was a very interesting, it was only up for a brief time and it was taken down. Um, I actually spoke with the person who wrote it and this person took it down because they didn't want to think the, their bosses to think they were referring to them. So it was just written in a certain way that they were concerned it might be misinterpreted. So smart to take it down. But yep. before it got taken down, there are some interesting discussions and it was she, the person who posted it was kind of talking about failures of leadership. Mm-hmm. And man, did people pile on quickly about okay. how, you know, this, these type of people shouldn't be leaders and um, what people, you know, all these things about, you know, they forget who, who really works for them and who provides the engine. And I thought my immediate response was, and I, I actually had started writing a mental, uh, I had started in my head writing a response and then the post was taken down. And, and I want to get your thought on that because I, I think you saw the post looking at your face. I think you may have seen the post mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to say who wrote it because yeah, I just don't think it's fair, but boy, people piled on very quickly. And I have some thoughts on that. Um, if you'd like to go or I'll go, I don't care, but I have some thoughts on that. The, not the initial post, but man, the comments underneath, I sure have some thoughts I'm, on. I'm going to let you go first. Cause I, I have some thoughts, but I'd kind of like okay. to see where you go with it. So a lot of people were saying some people weren't meant to be leaders and they, all these things. And, and all I kept thinking was there is so little grace on this thread yeah. for people in leadership positions. Sure. And, and some of them were, you know, like, you know, one of the comments was so many managers and leaders don't allow people to make mistakes. Mm. And I Ironic. thought, and I thought, well, hold on a second, just because, I, and, and gosh knows, I, I've managed people, I've been a leader of organizations, and I've made, I can't even count how many mistakes I've made. Um, just because you have experience doesn't mean you make mistakes. Of course. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You're going to make mistakes. It's about owning mistakes. 
I mean, I've made all manner of mistakes, you know, leading companies and, and managing people. The key is to learn from them and don't repeat them. Mm-hmm. It's not to not make them. You're, you're going to make them. And I just thought, what an incredible lack of grace for that. Um, you know, like I said, I've made terrible mistakes in communication or bad hires or trusting the wrong people or elevating the wrong people, or maybe keeping an employee on too long or pointing in a different direction. That that's part of taking the risk of being a leader. And for so many people to pile on, it just is like, wow, you know, it's, it's just a weird thing. Just like anything else you learn on the job. Right. Any job you learn on the job. So I want to get your, your response on that. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that's a challenge and it's a challenge because, you know, I think I'll just speak for myself. I, um, as one of the ways that I uh, kind of grew in uh, position two positions of leadership is that to a degree, I'm a bit of a people pleaser, right? Because I want to, and, and, and that actually you know, it pleases your superiors. So you tend to get, you know, put in different positions. The first thing that happens is you find out that your first position of leadership is that you can't please everybody all the time. Nope. And it doesn't matter what you say that like I, my first position of leadership, a bunch of people who I ended up managing wanted the job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were not interested in my success. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I took a while to win that position over. Oh, yeah. So one of the first things I learned is, is thick skin. And it's one of those yeah. that is really hard as a people pleaser. It's almost yeah. harder for the, you know, it's almost like that dichotomy of right. people pleasing got you there. That's not going to help you there. Right. No, it's and, not. And I'm and, the same way. So I completely relate to that. And the other um, thing that I find on posts like that, and again, just it does, anytime there's piling on, right? it doesn't yeah. matter that specific post is almost always I'm like, they don't know the whole story. I no, don't know the whole story, no, but exactly. I know by just their comments, they don't know the yeah. whole story. There's always well, more perspectives, right? Absolutely. And, and, absolutely. and that's, that's, you were like, oh my God, I can't believe the grace. It is funny how they quickly flip the script and say, um, it, it's, they, they put themselves as the hero of that story. And they, they right. remember the time that they got screwed or whatever. Right. And, and man, it is funny how that when you hear the whole story, most of the time, there's not a dark room and a conspiracy theory where people no. are making choices. Somebody just made the best decision in a crappy situation where yeah. a bunch of people are going to be pissed. And without yeah. all of that, you're, all of the, the facts of the situation, everybody can just pile on and say, that guy's a jerk or that gal's a jerk. And it's like, right. And so, and the final thing, the final thought that comes in my head, and I talk about this, this is a lesson in leadership, but I, it's, I talk to my kids about this. It's like, mistakes are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I tell my, my girls, it's like, there's three steps, right? Mm-hmm. First thing is own it, which mm-hmm. is sort of professing to your yep. team that you made the mistake. Absolutely. Second is learning from it. And the third is moving on. Yeah, it's no, like, I agree. Yeah. So, and when I read the comments, I'm like, gosh, I hate that people have had so many negative experience with bo- experiences with managers, bosses, leaders, whatever you want to call it. And I'm the same way, you know, every time I make a mistake and, and I think anybody who reported to me has reported to me would agree. I'm the first person to wear that hat of responsibility and say, I screwed up here. This is my fault. And I'm a big believer as a leader. When, when we succeed, we succeed. When we fail, I failed. Right. And that's the way I've always approached any of those things. I just thought it was a very interesting thing. The complete just lack of grace of other people possibly making mistakes or errors in judgment, because 
you know, it just it, was very interesting to me. And the, and the other lesson is just the reason and the post yeah. was taken down is be careful about making broad generalized statements because people will make assumptions. Well, that is, but that is the internet, isn't it? It's yeah, hasty generalization. The internet, if I could distill the internet down into one sentence, it's hasty generalizations peppered with shock value. Yeah. There you go. And anger. Yeah. And anger. All yeah. right, Kirby, I think we can move on. Let's sure. play a game. Let's have a little fun here at the end. I got the game this week. We're going to play a game. This is called the brand mascot real name test. Okay, so we talked about <laughs> we talked about debranding earlier. And I you get about so many... excited about these things. I this do. is, so, this this is, so, is so awesome. And I have to give Danny Rose a little bit of credit because he sent me something uh, last week and I thought that's going to make a great game. And so I what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the mascot name for a brand and you give me the brand. We're going to start off very easy. Okay. Okay. For example, in our industry, Skewbot is the mascot for common skew. See how easy this is. Okay. There, I feel, there I feel. are. Yeah. You, this is not going to be hard. Okay. Are you ready? I, I, yeah, sure. I'm one for one right now. Ronald, I'm hundred percent. Yeah. Ronald McDonald. McDonald's feeling okay. good. Tony the Tiger. Frosted Flakes. Very good. Toucan Sam. Fruit Loops. Very good. Charlie the Tuna. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's a tuna. Um, Come on. We're still in the easy section here, I Kirby. I know, man. This is Starkist. Starkist. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> I'm very concerned about the rest and, of this oh, game. Oh, yeah. Now. You and me both, bro. <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Uh, KFC, Kentucky, Kentucky Fried, Fried Chicken. Chicken. All right, LC the Cow. Give me a second. It's a milk. Uh, superior. There milk? you go, kids. It's a milk. Uh, what? <laughs> superior milk? No, not superior milk. That'd be Borden. That'd be Borden. Oh, okay. Chester Cheetah. Uh, it's for Cheetos. Very good. You're not okay. okay. Now we're getting in a little. Let me give you one more easy one. Julius Pringles. <laughs> i'm hoping it's pringles it is all right yeah. are you ready now we're getting okay. into the hard harder part okay uncle rich penny bags a rich no uncle penny bags no clue that'd be monopoly okay monopoly board game mr whipple uh toilet paper uh charman correct Charmin, i'll give yeah. you I, i'm gonna give you credit for that okay cornelius rooster <laughs> a i don't know and b i don't want to make a joke guess yeah, you don't. Um, that'd be <laughs> Kellogg's Cornflakes, Kirby. Okay. The Frito Bandito. I hope it's for Fritos. It is. Punchy. No clue. Come on, think about it. Punchy, the Hawaiian Punch. Hawaiian Punch. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Hawaiian right. Punch. Uh, the Noid. Oh, that was like a Domino's thing, right? Very good. All right, last three. These are these are extra credit, Kirby. So okay. we might be able to raise some of your transgressions <clears throat> earlier in the game. William Penn. Is that Quaker Oats? Oh, <laughs> Kirby <laughs> dropping it hot. That's awesome. But absolutely Quaker Oats. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I can forgive you for the whole Elsie the Cow thing now. That's awesome. All right. Alfred E. Newman. Oh, Mad Magazine. What? <laughs> what is going on? Kirby knows all the hard ones. I can forgive you for Charlie the Tuna. <laughs> I said it was no. Tuna. Well, no, but you didn't say the brand. That's like saying 
no, that's dumb. That's like saying the Michelin man's about tires. Okay. It is. All right. Last one. <laughs> Sonny the cuckoo bird. Sonny the cuckoo bird. Yeah, man, I'm out. Sorry. I don't know this one. Oh, man. I was rooting for you on that one. He's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Kirby. Oh, yeah. Cuckoo I should have gotten Cocoa that one. Puffs. But you know what I'm cuckoo for? What's that, Bill? Oh, thank you for asking. Yes. <laughs> our pal jason oaks the promo pulse app we we do talk about that we joke about it a little bit but i tell you what it really is a fantastic tool if you're not checking promo pulse every day you're not checking the health of the industry see what i did there yeah. that's right you, we, yeah so if you want industry ideas inspiration inspira- information kirby's got it on his iphone i've got it on mine it's available on the android store the google play store i guess it's called and then the, the app store if you're an iphone person it's got everything. Kirby's scrolling through it right now effortlessly. If you are just listening, you can't imagine. It's <laughs> unbelievable how effortless it is to scroll through the app and get those ideas, that inspiration, that information. And what we just talked about earlier in the show, they got those trailblazing, I'm sorry, they've got those really, really cool um, private groups that are within the Promo Pulse app for distributor companies where you can get an embeddable web feed of content from your preferred suppliers. Really cool stuff. You want to learn more, head over to promopulse.io slash promopulse groups. Kirby, I think that'll do it. I'm not only cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I'm cuckoo for Kashakton. That's right! Promo up front!